The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, and this is your round one recap of the Sanderson Farms Championship. And joining me to break it all down is uh, Doug Bell, live from the scene. Doug, is this your favorite event to cover on, on the PGA Tour? <laughs> well, it's one of them because it's such a short drive from my home in Alabama. Uh, a little less than three hours. Um, and I love the climate this time of year. I mean, here we are in the fall. There's no humidity which in the South, we rejoice when that happens. And this golf course, Greg, is very underrated, the Country Club of Jackson. It is really, really a good track. And the more players come every year, new players, the more they spread the word. And it's kind of getting around like, hey, you might want to go to Jackson because it's really a great track. And I think the bottom line is the greens. Uh, the Bermuda, it, you know, it hasn't gone dormant yet, and it's perky, and they can really mow it down and get them sizzling fast. And That's another reason why I like it and why the players like it. Yeah, they look to be moving uh, at, at a pretty healthy speed. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would say, Doug, well, we, first of all, we got a, we got a nice little show for you lined up. We're going to keep it quick. We are on YouTube, so make sure you give us a follow there. Uh, like and subscribe, drop a five-star review, all that good stuff. We've got to get that in there. But um, the scoring was out there today. We had yeah. four rounds of 64 at 8 under par and maybe some uh, unexpected 64. <laughs> Sebastian Munoz, our defending champion, no surprise that he played well. Um, he's He is uh, a player who's been, I, I would say, gathering a lot of momentum, going back yeah. to a place where he's quite comfortable. But then you have Charlie Hoffman, Jimmy Walker, and Kevin Chappell, all players that we haven't really seen a whole lot of lately, uh, which I found very interesting. But Mark, let's talk a little bit about our defending champion, Sebastian Munoz. He makes birdie on four of his last six holes. Uh, he, he got uh, streaky out there a couple of times. He had a great streak on the front nine, a great streak on the back nine. Um, and he's looking to become the first defending champ. What did you make of his round today? What do you think of his chances going forward? Um, I think they're really good. You know, he's a kid with a lot of talent. Uh, you know, when you watch him play, uh, he lets it all hang out, especially on the tee ball. I mean, he leaves nothing uh, you know, there's no question mark. He's going for it. And I love that aggressive strategy. Greg, as you know, there's certain golf courses when a player gets on property, whether they're playing good or not, it's like, I love this place. And this place for Sebastian is, is what he loves. I mean, this is the oasis that he strives for. We saw it last year when he beat Sung JM in that playoff and played fantastic. And today got hot in the back nine and closed the deal. Uh, his uh, beautiful girlfriend or fiance now walks every hole with him. They're a great couple. I just think I think he is the tip of the iceberg as far as what he's going to do. I think he's going to have a one of those like wow careers over the next ten years. I think he's that good, Sebastian Munoz. I heard at the end of the broadcast that he did a little bit of work with Butch Harmon, 
And Butch kind of freed, freed him up a little bit and kind of took the governor off and let him really uh, go after it and play a little bit more aggressive. And that's kind of exactly what you're speaking to. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table going forward. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, another player at eight under par. <laughs> and this is something he likes to do at the Masters, but it's not something you see every day on the PGA Tour. So uh, with Charlie, were you surprised to see Charlie have this kind of round? Uh, he did gain 2.1 strokes putting, uh, but he hit the ball quite nicely as well, hitting 15 greens, gained nearly three strokes approaching the green. Did this round surprise you out of Charlie Hoffman today? It did. Uh, you know, he hasn't played great up to this point, although his physique is changing. He's a guy like a lot of these guys who've gone to the gym uh, he's working out like crazy. If you look at him, it's like, wow, Charlie, what happened? I mean, he's fit. He's, he's muscular. He's hitting it farther. He's averaging about eight or nine yards more off the tee. And I always thought he was a long hitter anyway. Uh, and I think finally, maybe the new physique is just kind of coming into form. You know what I mean? Sometimes when those guys lose weight, it's kind of like, you know, their game, they kind of lose it and they have to get their form back. And I think maybe, um, hopefully this is a good start of a good week for him. You know, it, it's um, it's really interesting. These players that are in this, he, Charlie Hoffman's 43 years old, yeah. which is, um, it, it's an interesting age because you're, you're not old. You're still, a, you're, you're not, you've got a lot more years, right? You got at least seven more years on the PGA Tour, yet you're kind of in this no man's land area. You've you've made an, uh, quite a nice living for yourself. You're doing okay. And, and these young kids coming up seem to have <laughs> so much more potential. So I look at a, a guy like Charlie Hoffman and and very similar uh, view of, of Jimmy Walker, where they're in this place where it's almost like a crossroads. Are you going to keep doing what you've been doing for your entire career or are you going to change and adapt and try to keep up with the 18, 19, sometimes 17 year old kids that are coming out and hitting the ball they, uh, the way they do? But Charlie's a guy who works out at uh, out at TPI in San Diego which is a great, if you've never been, it's an amazing facility and they have an amazing um, fitness team and fitness facilities as well. So it's, um, it, it's no surprise that he's gone this direction with his body, knowing everybody that he works with. So it, it'll be interesting to see what Charlie does going yeah. forward. Um, but another player kind of in a similar boat, Doug, as we mentioned, Jimmy Walker. Mm. Um, and it's been a little while, I understand, since, since he's played around like this. Yeah, uh, more than two years since he shot a 64. You know, three years ago, uh, remember when he won the PGA Championship? He had like a three-year run where he won more than anybody on the PGA Tour, more tournaments, more money. I mean, he was arguably the best player on the PGA Tour. And then after that PGA Championship, injuries, had Lyme disease, a lot of things happened, and his game just, just completely fell off the radar screen. So today was somewhat of a surprise even to him. I followed him early, Greg, and interviewed him afterwards, and he sounded like a guy who was very pleased but very surprised. Uh, a bogey-free 64. He said the putter, he said he made a ton of putts. Um, he did reach the par five third hole. He was the only guy, I think, today who reached that green in, in two shots, um, at least through most of the round. That, that's the last I saw. So I don't know. I would be – I hope he keeps playing well because I, I think the world of Jimmy Walker – but I don't know. Uh, this this was this was lightning in a bottle in one day, I believe. Uh, you you mentioned that time period where he was winning so much. I mean, he he won six times in 2014, 15, and 16 on the PGA Tour. Um, so he he earned nearly six million dollars in 14, four uh, four and a half in in 15, and of course won the major championship in 2016. He earned 
$4.1 million. And since he's only had one other season, uh, well, you know, I guess he's had two other seasons with, with a million, but he, the, the next year he earned a million, then two after that. And in 19, and uh, of course, uh, and, and in 20, he was under a million dollars significantly. So um, it, it is nice to see him back in contention. Yeah. I love watching that golf swing. Um, so Lyme disease is tough, though. You know that that's yeah. one of those things you deal with symptoms. Uh, the reports I hear, you hear, you deal with them for basically the rest of your life. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what he has going forward. Um, so, and another player, Doug, who has been through some injury and some back troubles, um, although he did recently, somewhat recently anyway, shoot a, a round of 59 at the Greenbrier last year, yet the game has not been in great form. And Kevin Chapel here today, bogey-free, 64 Gained three and a half putting, gained 3.382 tee to green. The signature shot was the chip in par at the six. Um, So what do you think of Kevin Chappell? Is he another guy that this is just lightning in a bottle for one round? Or do you think the back is kind of healing up and we're going to see a player who's capable of shooting rounds like 59? I think he is capable. Um, You know, he's on a major medical and he has like 18 tournaments to go. So he's really not in any sort of pressurized situation. Uh, we interviewed him on the radio after his round and, you know, he said, listen, he goes, the reason he hasn't been playing good, bad scheduling and bad play. He said, that's a bad combination. He thought yeah. he started back too early, he, you know, he, and, and now he's, he said he's getting his feet, uh, back underneath him, uh, getting used to playing on the road away from the family. Because as he said, when you go home and you're injured and you're with your family, it's kind of like, Hey, this is kind of a nice life. I kind of like being around the baby, my wife. And then you go back on the road. So he's getting readjusted, and he's another guy who works with Mark Blackburn in my hometown of Birmingham uh, out of Greystone Golf Club. Uh, so he goes out there, along with Charlie Hoffman, by the way. Uh, so those are two guys who are kind of getting things honed back in into form uh, in my, my backyard. So, yeah, he's the one guy. wouldn't shock me if he, he went on to have a really good week. Yeah, it feels like this one is marked more so by, and I suppose with Jimmy Walker to me has two things, right? There's the Lyme disease and also Butch Harmon kind of taking a, taking a back seat in the coaching. With Kevin Chappell, it seems like it's just simply the, the back injury. It's just a, a, a one-time thing that seems to be, well, hopefully it's a one-time thing, but it seems to be um, moving in the right direction. And those things can be, it seems like he's so, finally solved the problem. I mean, don't forget, this is a guy that in 2016, he came in eighth on the PGA tour for the season, earned four and a half million dollars. So he is, uh, he, I mean, he had four second place finishes that year. And then in 2017, he won. So um, definitely a player who is extremely talented. And I look forward to seeing what they're going to do now. um, As far as players for tomorrow's round, players who you expect to make a move tomorrow, is there anybody that really sticks out at you? Is there any one of these four players or maybe someone a little farther down the leaderboard who jumps out to you? Um, I I really like Sebastian Munoz. Um, You know, I followed him a lot last year and he was in the group in front of me today. I was assigned Henrik Stenson and Sergio and Adam Long and they were the group right in front. So I would always get up to the green and watch Sebastian. And, you know, I said, gosh, there's another birdie. There's another birdie. And he was really playing good. Uh, So I suspect he's going to come out early tomorrow morning. And the golf course seems to be a little more gettable in the morning, maybe, even though you had those late 64s on Thursday. I just think Tomorrow morning, it's it's going to be soft. Um, the green's going to be perfect. And I think Sebastian Munoz will go out and, and shoot another good round. I mean, listen, 68, 67, something like that, puts him in great shape heading into the weekend. I, again, he's a guy who just – he loves this track. And they say horses for courses. You know, there's just places that the, 
fits their eye or whatever reason, I think this is one of those places for Sebastian. You know, it, um, the, the defending champion aspect, I think this year is different. It's, a, it's in a, a unique spot because there's no spectators. So the, uh, the attention isn't the, the spotlight doesn't seem to be shined quite as bright and you would know more than me being out there, but it, it, it kind of softens that aspect, which is a, a challenge. And it's one of the reasons why we rarely pick defending champions. It doesn't make a lot of <laughs> sense. The, the player won last week and the defending champion are two guys that from a picks perspective, I often stay away from because it's rare that they're going to have a better performance than they did the last year or the last time. So I generally stay away, but you open with a 64 it's something like 73% of winners on the PGA Tour, Doug, are in the top 10 after their first round. So you have to start well, and you have to finish well as well. But, but this is a really important round. And for a defending champion, I believe that the first round can be the hardest one because your expectations are so high. You're so excited for the event. You want everything to go just the way it went the year before when you won. And if it doesn't, that can, that can be a damper. And for him to open with 64, I think he's got to be the favorite right now, especially when you have a Charlie Hoffman, a Jimmy Walker, and a Kevin Chappell who have major, major question marks about them. And you don't know where they are. You don't know if this round was a, I'm not going to call it lucky, but is this a once in a, a blue moon kind of a round or has somebody really found something? With Sebastian and his recent form and his success here, you got to believe um, that, that he's in really good form. Doug, is there anybody else who's not in the lead that really jumps out to you that you think is uh, a threat heading into tomorrow and maybe even uh, through the weekend? Well, you know, I followed Sergio today, Greg. This is interesting. Um, here's a guy who, who does well when he plays in a tournament for the first time. If you look back through his career for whatever reason, which is kind of crazy. So he's experiencing the Sanderson Farms at Country Club of Jackson for the first time. I was looking in his bag today. He has no club deal. This is Sergio. I mean, he's got a tailor-made wow. driver. He's got ping irons. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm nosy. I was looking through everything. Um, so I think this is, you know, it's unusual. Do you know he's added more than 10 yards to his drives from last over the last year? And, of course, Bryson DeChambeau is number one in that category. He's averaged like 18 yards to his drive. Yeah. But Sergio, more than 10 yards a drive. So wow, he's picking up impressive. distance. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, his iron play was Sergio personified today missed some putts that were makeable, but he still shot 68. So, I mean, Sergio, listen, the five of the last six winners have been number one in ball striking, uh, strokes gained T to green. That's Sergio. And five of the last six winners have hit at least 75% of their greens in regulation. Again, that's Sergio. Yeah. So I I'm going to be watching him. He, listen, he, putting still holds him back. There's no question about it. But, man, he's still a great ball striker, regardless of what kind of iron he's hitting. So today, Sergio was second in strokes gain off the tee. He was yeah. 19th approach the green. He was 11th tee to green, and he was 70th in strokes gain putting. He barely <laughs> – he was basically right around even today. He, nothing lost, nothing gained. He lost .001 strokes putting. But, you know, the thing is with Sergio, I don't have any problems with his driving or his ball striking. I love the way that he hits it but it can get frustrating when you don't take advantage of it. And we've watched it for years. It's like, like how, this guy is so talented T to green yet. He's always so angry at you feel like, because it, it's like, how did I not shoot the score that I shot? So you, when, when you play that way, you always leave disappointed. 
Conversely, we have to get his name in there. Jordan Spieth, when he's playing well, it always feels like, how did he shoot that low? He hit it all over the place. So he's <laughs> right. even happy. And I know that this is vintage Jordan I'm talking about here, but he's even happy. Sergio, they might shoot the same score. Sergio leaves upset. So I, I find that to be um, a rather interesting kind of parallel. <laughs> but Doug, the guy that I'm looking at for tomorrow is, uh, is, is Cameron Davis who's a guy that we've been on here on the podcast for a while. He is a rising, I'd like to say a star. I'm not sure he's quite there yet. He certainly has the golf swing to be a star. So I'm interested in what he can do. Um, it wasn't the greatest day. Um, it wasn't the greatest day approaching the green. He had a great day putting. He, he led the field in strokes game putting, but I don't look at him as a player who, where that's his thumbprint. I think he can hit the ball better than he did today. And I think that's going to, take a rise so he gets his bad ball striking round out of the way while he leads the field in strokes game putting i think he's going to turn it up tee to green and so i'm kind of going against the grain here i'm going against the model and i think cameron davis is going to have a, a great rest of the week um, well we'll see what happens i, I yeah I, you know the course is in great shape so the score is going to continue to be good greg so we'll see what happens and then the, the weather's going to be fabulous yeah, there, it looked like there was no wind out there today. It looked perfect. No. Is there a place where you feel like a guy is too far back after round one? Or are you a uh, wait and see after two rounds, see where they are after the 36-hole mark, and then we get a real idea of who's still in the mix? Well, I think it's, you know, it's a long golf course. It's like the fourth longest on the PGA Tour. So 64 is maybe about as low as they can go. Um, I mean, there's some tough par fours out here. The greens are really fast, so three putts are waiting to bite you. So 64 is a really good score. So, uh, again, I, I think after 36 holes, if you're within five or six shots, you got you got a chance on Saturday to make a move. But I, I think if you're farther back than that, because everybody's going to be bunched up on a golf course like this. And that's kind of what we've seen in his history over the last five or six years. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it will bunch up. If you're a player like a Scotty Scheffler who shot one under or one over today, or a Sam Burns who shot one under today, a very popular pick um, uh, on this podcast for sure, you got a lot of work to do tomorrow. And it's probably going to take a 65, 60, 64 to 66 to put yourself back in the mix because a, a round of you know, uh, a round of 70 or 72 doesn't go a long way over four rounds. So it'll be interesting to see, um, but they're definitely going low. So, hey, Doug, um, thanks for joining us live from the scene. Doug yeah. Bell, you can get him on Twitter at Doug Bell Sports Guy. Uh, I'm Greg Ducharme. You can get me on Twitter at The Real GFD. We'll be with you for each round of the Sanderson Farms, giving you uh, recaps. Tomorrow, Rick will join us. Um, thank you so much for listening, watching if you're on YouTube, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.